So thanks to the last episode, you got a property under contract. Congratulations. Now, what do you do with it? Todd Toback is back and breaks down the process of selling your contract, how to advertise it, and how to get the absolute best price. If you are new to wholesaling, this episode is a must listen. If you're a wholesaling veteran, there are many tactics that you can apply that will make an immediate impact on your business. You are listening to the REI Mastermind Podcast. Join JD as he chats with industry-leading real estate experts and professionals. We learn from their experience and uncover the strategies to their success that we can implement into our own businesses and we can drive immediate results today. They share their experience and wisdom as we build the foundation to our own success. This is the REI Mastermind Network. We have Todd Toback on the call again uh, this week. And Todd, I appreciate your time as always. Um, maybe we can make this a regular appearance. Well, let's go. Let's start with today and <laughs> rock and roll, baby. So we're going to build on the last episode we did together. We talked about acquisition. Now we're going to be talking about disposition and how when somebody gets a property under contract, what do they do with it? But before we do, I have to push everybody to your show because if they haven't been subscribing to your show by now, I don't know what's what they're waiting for. No Limits podcast with Todd Toback. You got to make sure you find his show and subscribe to it. Where else can they uh, hit you up these days? Well, sure. The no Limits Real Estate Investing Podcast is the podcast. And if they want to go to nolimitsrealestateinvesting.com, they can find, go there and listen to the podcast or download a uh, what we call the map. That's the massive action plan. So they're more than welcome to go there and learn more about what we offer. But the podcast is a great place to start and then go into the website secondary. Yeah. There's a lot of great content there, people. So make sure you take a, take a listen to that. Um, so like I said, we're going to build on our last episode together. And I really want to talk about disposition and you do things very differently than I've heard a lot of other people trying to do disposition with their, with the properties they get under contract. So let's start things off at the very beginning. What is one of the first things that they need to do before they even think about selling that contract? Uh, well, great question, JD. I think they have to do something called a checkup from the neck up. And so, <laughs> you know, many people look, you know, they, they get into this business and you're so excited to get that deal, right? But what happens is sometimes we develop this urgency that we need to sell this property as fast as humanly possible, mm -hmm. right? And so what I think is really important is understand that when you have a good property under contract, that's an asset, right? And it's it, it haste makes waste in that you want to move with a sense of urgency, but you also want to be strategic on how you either keep this thing and hold it as a rental, either how you will uh, maybe wholetail it, maybe take it down and clean it out and put it on the multiple listing service, or you may decide to wholesale it for maximum profit. But in either one of those scenarios, any one of those scenarios, right? we want to get maximum profit for this deal. And so you can understand that, that if you've structured your contract correctly, you know you should have 30 days. right? There are some deals where we went in a contract on Friday and we had to close on a Monday. And I understand there are certain, cer certain circumstances where that happens. But as a whole, you're going to have at least 30 days. And so understanding that you've got to now say, okay, 
I've got this deal now. I need to be responsible and I have a quote unquote fiduciary responsibility to myself and my company to now get the maximum profit, right? And that's mm-hmm. going to be really, really, really important. Now, let me say this. If you are brand new in this business and uh, let's let's assume that either you have not done deals or maybe you've done a few, a lot of new wholesalers out there, they develop these buddy-buddy relationships with their cash buyers, right? And they have this very like subservient slash superior relationship with their cash buyers where the cash buyers are like, quote unquote, big brother. And this wholesaler is little brother. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, that's not always the case, but there's a tendency to be that way. Right. I'm the guy coming in with the cash and you're just the deal finder. And so that's where that attitude comes from. And so what that, that, what that relationship is code for is I'm going to sell this to you lower than I think I should. Right. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to, uh, I'm going to sell this to you at the expense of getting a higher price. And so I think we have to get our head straight on that is that a lot of people out there are like, well, I like you know to have my relationships and I like this guy and I like that guy and I don't want to ruffle the feathers. Well, the reason why they like you, okay, is, and I don't mean this in a rude way, but the reason why they like you is because you are selling them properties below market value, far below where you should. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I went too, uh, too far ahead there, JD. But, no, no, um, that's ex- exactly where I was hoping you were going to go. You know that, and and I'm going to be the first one to admit this. You know, we've been in this mindset um, that when when uh, and a lot of real estate investors do this, especially when they get into wholesaling, is that we we do have our favorites. We we establish those relationships, and we and sometimes before we let it go out to the rest of the buyers list, we might even uh, give a couple of them a, a quick heads up, like first refusal kind of a thing. Yep. And um, and I, I can definitely see how that's going to hit, shoot you in the foot to a certain extent. Oh, absolutely. Because what happens is, you know, especially when you start sending them to the same one, right? And especially if you do assignments, they start to see what you make, right? Maybe it's 15, maybe it's 20. And by the way, I, I, ho- I hope to God it's more than 20. Um, you know, and th- then maybe it's 30, right? They start to get, um, you know, they, they may say they don't get upset underneath, right? But believe you me, they notice, right? Mm-hmm. And there's just a little mental note. And so they know on the next property, okay, I have a room to negotiate here or say this or say that. And so you got to let the market take it where it's at. So true story. So a while back, I taught a course called Bigger Deals. And I noticed, by the way, through my private clients that I take on um, occasionally, and uh, you know, the difference between people who struggle and the ones that really are crushing it, the ones who crush it are doing bigger deals. Period. Mm-hmm. Right? They're not doing a, the, the the ones who are crushing are not doing little seven thousand dollar deals here, ten thousand dollars here at the twelves. You know, you'll see them do. 25, 25, 32, 18, 86, 72, 54. You know, you'll you'll see those kinds of deals. And I noticed that and I said, I've got to teach this course called Bigger Deals. So I took um, a group of 35 people and I said, I'm going to double your deal size. Okay. This is the goal of this eight-week challenge here. I'm going to double your deal size. We're going to start with this mindset. And it's important to negotiate right on the front end. We talked about that in the first episode, but the back end, man, you guys are just leaving so much money 
on the table. I said, but but one of the things that's going to be a requirement for you to go in this course is that you're going to have to get uncomfortable, right? The relationships that you have with your cash buyers are going to change, right? And you're going to have to learn not to be, it's okay not to be liked, but you have to be respected, mm-hmm. right? And so that's how, um, that's, you know, I knew it in my own business. And then I started to see it, obviously, the impact in others. So long story short, six weeks in, I mean, everyone who participated in this course immediately doubled their deal size. I mean, it was it was in completely insane. It was a more drastic than I could even fathom. But if you want, we can go over some of a little bit of this process mm-hmm. of yeah. how we sell these sell these deals. Of course, we've done a lot of teasing here. I, you know, I'm not really sure we're going to share all of it today, JD. <laughs> uh, well, they got to go uh, to your show and and hit you up on your site to to get every piece of this, but. But but so so let's let's talk about dispositions, right? So there's a couple of ways you can go about that. But number one, what you have to do, especially in this market, is you, you've got to create competition, right? Competition will tell you where the true market value of the property is. This is very 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 important. Uh, I can tell you that different buyers pay more for certain areas. Different buyers to pay more depending on what their exit strategy is. So a guy who's mm-hmm. going to buy and hold it is definitely going to pay more than a guy who's going to fix and flip it, right? A guy who's going to move into it with his uh, the single dad who moves into the house with his 22 year old son who's going to fix it himself, right? And uh, just pay for the materials is going to pay more than the big company who's got a big crew who's going to have to fix and flip it, right? So we need to create competition to drive up that price. So my first recommendation to everybody is you have to have control of the process, have a big buyer's list. And I'm going to talk about a way that you can avoid this in a minute, but let's assume that you have to develop a big buyer's list through a multiple of ways, right? You can do direct mail, uh, you can work with other wholesalers, uh, you can work with real estate agents, but one of my favorite ways is direct mail. And you want to have a large group of buyers who you're dealing with. And every single property that you have, you want to send out to all of them and do one inspection time. Okay, you want to set this, you want to keep a tight leash, tell them they have to be there exactly at this time, that this is the quote unquote suggested starting bid. You want to start with that framework, right? Suggested starting bid. This is not the price. Mm-hmm. Tell them this is the deadline for the offers. It's going to be 5K non refundable EMD. They have to close in seven to 10 days, cash or hard money only. And so you're setting the tone and you're driving the process. Okay. I also get a professional inspector out to all of my wholesale deals. And uh, it's a way to uh, quell the concerns of buyers, right, with the inspection, but also it will protect me if I need to get a reduction later. Mm-hmm. So we get everybody there. And if you do your job right, you should price it approximately $10,000 less than what you think the property will go for. Now, of course, this is going to take some nerve. Everyone's like, why would I price it less than I think I could get it for? Right. Because this is going way, above asking. Okay. That's the trick here. Way You're going to drive this way above asking. So um, you get everybody to the property. You want to do some crowd control. You do want to keep them away from the seller and explain, hey, don't talk to the seller. And we have this all in the email that we send mm-hmm. out. And you do a quick 45-minute inspection. Okay. Offers come in, highest and best come uh, comes in. Uh, of course, it's going to be your title company. You drive the process. Now, here's what's going to happen. 
is, by the way, JD, do most of the people listening to your show have the majority of them done one or two deals or is it no deals or is it a bunch of deals? It's it's all over the place. Okay. So if you are brand new, you want to do it this way and you don't have to worry about uh, repairing any kind of relationships with your buyers or retraining them. You want to train them this way from day one. Mm -hmm. But if you've been playing the favorites, here's what's going to happen. Guarantee it. Your old buyers are going to go there and they are going to stomp their feet and they're going to walk off the property and they're going to say, I'm not doing business with you anymore. And I'm going to go market for sellers direct, right? There's a little bit of a threat there and they walk Mm -hmm. off and uh, that's part of the process, right? And what I would say to that is saying, hey, you know, I, I, I totally get it. I you know, appreciate all the business that we've done together, but this is the new process. And you know, if you want to continue to do business, you're more than welcome to submit a bit, right? Now, the reason why that buyer is upset is why, JD? Because up until now, he's, he's in his mind, has been getting some pretty decent deals and the insider track. Correct. And now the only reason why he's upset is that he's not going to get a 20 or 30K less than he should, <laughs> right? Or she, or she, right? So, um, so uh, you're going to see that, right? Now, all the people who were on your buyer's list before will gladly submit a bid. And once you get the highest bid, then at that point, you can now direct them to the title and escrow company, make sure that EMD is in, and then rinse and repeat the process, right? That's mm-hmm. going to be very, very, very important. Now, that's one step, and that's one way we dispo properties. The other way now that we've started doing that is we just stick them right on. Now that we have them on a contract, we just stick them right on the MLS and do the same exact thing, right? We run mm. we we run our inspections the same exact way, but we use the power of the MLS and we work with a real estate agent to list our properties and do all the negotiation and we get way more than we would if I did our house buyers list. But you must use that process I spoke about if you're going to get the highest and best. Hmm. So, you know, uh, that, that latter one is especially interesting. Like s- since the... You have this house under contract. What kind of feedback have you received from the seller if you just turn around and put it on the MLS like that? It's all about expectations. All about expectations. That's it. Hmm. That's it. Okay. Once you get through this through your mind and you train yourself to believe it, and then you set those expectations with the seller, it's easy. It's easy, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to be here at the same time. It's going to be pandemonium. I'm going to start my marketing. I'm going to put it online, right? I'm going to get a head start on everything that we do, right? And this is why we're able to buy houses so fast, right? The escrow company is going to call you. So everything's going to go in one shot. You're going to see a lot of activity, right? We're going to have this one inspection time. You're going to see a lot of people here. So when that happens and all those people there, it's crazy. But now they've expected it. They understand it. They've grown to... Now understand that you're a man of your word because when they go to that inspection, it's going to be pandemonium. Mm-hmm. And so when you set that stage right, I've had 100% success. I've only had problems where we didn't set that expectation. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And most of those are marginal deals. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you've really squashed everything that um, most people would do, you know, whether it's the concept of building that relationship, identifying one or two of your strong buyers, and you're kind of feeding them deals. 
which uh, frankly, it seems starts to feel like you're working for them. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> uh, but, but the other thing too, is that I, a lot of people, and I'm going to put myself in the same boat. We have the a tendency of putting some sort of markup on the property and then just kind of saying, here it is. This is what we want. Who wants it? Kind of thing. And there's not a lot of negotiation. It's usually almost more of a first come first serve at that mm-hmm. point. I totally agree. And I, I, I found there was a couple of problems with that. It's interesting because um, I had a chance to work with uh, Tony Robbins team and their sales manager came and he wanted some real estate training. So I trained him on real estate. And then uh, he had a phenomenal sales manager who's like the number one sales manager in the world. And he came in and we agreed to barter for this. And we did some deals together and he took a look at our process, right? And he's like, you know, I don't understand, you know, because we used to do that first come first, you know, serve thing. And it was like, whoever got the EMD in first and it was total chaos, Mm -hmm. right? It was like, who's going to run to the title company with a 5k. And so it just, it's just not a way to run a business. So no one understood what the selection process was for actually getting the deal versus, okay, highest and best actually gets the property, right? You wanted to set clear rules. And so everyone knows they are on a level playing field, mm-hmm. right? And so that's really, really important. And so that's something that we adopted. And after we did that, business was never the same in the wholesaling side. Right. Huh. So just a reminder, everybody look up a no limits real estate investing podcast. Um, and, uh, and definitely check out the website for a lot more content. But you know, you just got my head spinning here right now regarding some of this stuff because it is, it really does make a huge shift out of you having all of the control from, from the disposition process versus disposition up until now has been very extremely reactionary. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, how we always run, we wanted to run the business, right? We wanted to get rid of that reactionary side, right? The stress and the hurry and the angst and the chaos, right? And so for us, we have uh, one person who handles disposition, who works with a real estate agent. She understands the process and accepts the offer and that's it, right? That's it. So you know, that's the, the, the most important thing is that you've got to decide how you want your business to run, right? The end goal. And that'll help you with a lot of decisions, mm-hmm. right? If, if you decide that you want to run your business this way, then your business is going to run that way. And if not, then it's going to, if you don't have a specific end goal in mind, I guarantee it's going to be chaos. Sure. So a lot of people are going to probably think of the, think this too, like at, is there seems to be like a certain market size that you have to be or a certain cash buyers list size that you have to have in order for this to really work? Well, if you list on the MLS, no. Oh, yeah. Right. But I mean, you know, you want to you want to have at least 20 good cash buyers on your list. So 
The biggest BS I see is wholesalers out there trading lists. Like I've never heard a bunch of a bigger piece of malarkey in my entire life, right? <laughs> because the most of the people on there are just other wholesalers, right? And people know, uh, people have never done a deal. And so I can tell you that if you've got a list of 2000 people on your list, probably only 150 have actually ever done a deal. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather have 20 good ones right? That you know are good and are active. So you can do that by mailing. And uh, you know that's my preferred method. Chris Chico back in the day created a phenomenal postcard on uh, getting cash bars. So I love that. So people were, are calling, they are, that you know that they have bought because you've bought the list and they've done that also at the auction. That's another great place to do that. But you know, right now with a multiple listing service, you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Right now, somebody or people are listening to this and they're thinking that the MLS is a good idea, but there's too much tension and friction, and you know the, the seller is gonna you know freak out. And I I get that, right? But the question is, how much are you willing to get out of your comfort zone to make more money? Right, right. And if the deal is that big, if you've got a monster on your hand and you're making you know 100k, I don't suggest putting on the MLS. I suggest taking that sucker down, right, and buying it taking it down and then uh, doing what you can to maximize profit at that. It's not worth it. Right. So mm-hmm. there's money is so cheap right now, right. To, to private funds is, is out there in, in full effect. Right. So you can go and get a, a private money loan for practically free. Yeah. So, you know, you, you've mentioned the MLS a couple of times now, I can imagine that you're run into some realtors. You'd have to find a realtor to be on your team or become one yourself. But uh, what type of resistance have you seen re- regarding finding the proper fit for a realtor? It's all about driving the process, right? So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I'm a realtor, I could do this myself. I just want to let you know that I just threw up on my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. If you want a job, get out of real estate investing and go get a job. Okay. It is much easier and far less stress to go work for somebody else than to do the job yourself in your own business. I mean, you know, the the whole thing of like, I'm a realtor, I could list it myself. That is quite possibly the most asinine thing that I've ever heard. Go out there and find a broker. Okay. Not a real estate agent, a broker. Okay. And the reason why they call them a broker is because they're broke. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, the brokers, what I like about them, and not all brokers, and, you know, I, I mean that because, you know, they're willing to work for $1,000 to $2,000 a deal, right? They're willing to do that. That is their world, right? If you're a real estate investor, that's, I'm hoping that's not why you got involved in this business. And so, whenever you're listening to this and you're thinking, hey, is this the kind of wage I got into this business for? And if and if it's below that, we'll team up with somebody to do that. So a broker, let's say you're in a market like Florida and you're selling a hundred and fifty thousand dollar house, you can get a broker to sell a house between one and one and a half percent. Okay. Now the reason why I like a broker is two reasons. Number one is they don't have to split it with an agent. Mm-hmm. Number two is that I want the boss. I want the decision maker. That's really important. 
right? Mm-hmm. The full-blown decision maker. And so if they have a, I don't want them in the middle of my listing saying, hey, I don't want you sticking this on the MLS if you don't own it yet, right? I, I don't I don't want that. So that uh, I, I want to deal with the decision maker. So it's a broker. And three, you want someone who's not from one of the big houses like Keller Williams or Coal Banker. I don't want them to have too many regulations. I want them to be like a free bird, like Joe Smith broker. And so those are the, the three things. Now, you will definitely, it's interesting because uh, you can find brokers in the Facebook groups, local Facebook groups, and post something on there. And here's what I love. If you say, hey, looking for a broker to list my deals, uh, willing to pay between one and one and a half percent, or I would say 1%, right? Must be flexible. You're going to get a ton of hate, an absolute ton of hate. And that's okay. I love it, right? I, I, I eat it up. But um, it just knows that I'm doing something right. And then every single time I've got 40 people who say how much they hate me and how brokers commission is non-negotiable or how could I dare say that? And then I get five or six people who message me privately and say, man, I would love to do this for you. I would love to do this for you. And those are the people who we're looking for. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's been it's kind of interesting. You know, I'm in a smaller market. So when we did our wholesaling at a, at a decent clip, it, it was amazing how many people, especially realtors and a couple brokers, reached out saying, this isn't legal. This isn't, you know, it, it, the naysayers came out of the woodwork, uh, especially in a market that I suppose they're not, they weren't used to it. Sure. What market are you operating in? I'm just curious. I don't, in North Dakota. Right. So, you know, the interesting thing is that it's, it's infuriating to a real estate agent who has to go sit with a seller and nurture that lead and pay for that lead and then fill out all kinds of paperwork, right? Then put the house on the market, make sure it's clean, make sure the seller cooperates, does the listing back and forth, takes the offer, goes back and forth, has to act as a fiduciary, right? Then send it to escrow, has to make sure the loan sticks together. And then all said and done, that agent makes you know 3% on you know $150,000 house, which is $4,500, but now they've got to split it with their broker, which is 2,200 bucks, mm-hmm. right? And the fact that you're going to make 20 or 30 grand on this is infuriating to them, mm-hmm. right? And so, hey, I, you know, I, I, I could see why they would be upset, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It, it, they don't believe that it's possible because how could this guy be making 20, 30 grand and I'm making 2,500, right? They also don't understand it and they're only looking at it through their worldview. Right. No, you know, the, the MLS thing is something especially interesting that, uh, and, you know, I, I frankly, I haven't heard, like I mentioned when we started this program, I haven't run into a lot of uh, wholesalers or trainers or coaches even bring up or even suggest this as an option. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the part of that is that you've got to get past your fear of doing that, right? I'm quote unquote losing the deal, right? Yeah. But if it's that good of a deal, just take that sucker down. Take it down. What I mean by take it down is buy it with cash, right? Uh, you've, for me, doing bigger deals, I'm always going to recommend that. You want to have cash on hand. You can either, there's a million ways to get cash, like I said before. I mean, I would line up a bunch of cash advantages, uh, cash advances on my credit card. I mean, you can get these things for basically 0% for 18 months, you know, and get 200 grand worth of that. Or you can get a line of credit on your house, or you can get a private lender who will lend to you at 7 or 8%. But you know that's also an option for you. Also, I mean, there's a million ways to get a million bucks. <laughs> yeah, 
you know, you and I talked about this on the last episode uh, too, is that this is really a mindset change, not for, for a lot of people, you know, we're, we're, some of us have gone through different trainings and different, it becomes a habit the way we're doing things. And, Mm -hmm. and if we, if you really want to see this level of growth that Todd is talking about, it does take this drastic mindset and process change that uh, Todd is suggesting here today. So uh, I don't take on private clients often. Okay. I, I, I don't do it. You've got to be doing deals and uh, you've got to be willing to change. But one of my proudest moments is a private client. I had him do something that was completely out of his, his comfort zone. And he told me that he uh, threw up uh, right before he did it. <laughs> and I was just so happy. And, uh, <laughs> and he told me it was the best, one of the best things he's ever done in his life. So I know that if, if that is happening, right, real growth is happening, right? That the mind has to, if you're going to be stretched, right, it's, not, it's never comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime you go to a new level of growth, it's something that you're not used to doing. And so, uh, you know, before I bought my first commercial property, I was extremely uncomfortable with it. You know, before I started understanding profit and loss statements, I just couldn't stand looking at spreadsheets. Now, like, mm-hmm. I love it. I live in them. Right. And so, before I was uncomfortable doing kind of a, a, an auction format with all my properties, right? I used to have the one or two favorites. And, uh, you know, it was easy, right? But easy is, is the killer of growth. Right. Well, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, talking to the, you know, I guess trading services with the Tony Robbins fella, but is that what spurred this thought or this change in your business or how did you, how did it come about? Well, it was interesting because that it, it didn't start out that way, right? But it was a uh, you know a pair of fresh eyes, right? So, you know, we had heard that they were really good at running remote sales teams, right? And then they had heard that we were really good in real estate, and they were local, right, mm-hmm. at the time. And so, uh, you know, a phone call happened, and then uh, the teams got on the phone, and then we we you know had different people looking at different parts of the business, and then it just came up. Right. And so mm-hmm. it took a pair of fresh eyes to be like, what the heck are you doing over here? <laughs> you know, I'm like, that's right. a really good point. <laughs> so um, really it came out of, we were looking at salespeople and they were like, Hey, listen, you know, the selling the properties is not really a sales position. Like some people have a full-blown disposition manager. And, you know, and, and I'm like, why, you know, like, why does someone have a disposition manager? There's no, there's not really a negotiation going on. There's just a feeding frenzy and the highest and best and a procedure for where they submit the offer. And so you want to create the frenzy there, mm-hmm. right? That you shouldn't have to be individually calling all of these buyers. And I know some people have, you know, th- that kind of business, uh, especially like in turnkey real estate, if you're like a turnkey provider, but it's a different client, right? Mm-hmm. When you're selling fixers, you know, the auction method works really, really well. Sure. You know, uh, you know, I hate to back up too far, but early on, you were talking about how when we're spending all this time with with individuals and we build those relationships and you're kind of giving them the inside track, they might start regretting the concept of what that that slice you're making. Um, do you you find that that's pretty much negated when you're in this auction type scenario? Like uh, because they when you're doing an assignment of contract, they all kind of they do know what you're making on each deal, right? Well, the biggest thing is I never negotiate on assignment fees. I negotiate on price. Right. right. So you never want to make that a, a, 
a point of conversation, right? So someone says, how much are you making on it? Well, first of all, I put somebody in between me and them and we say, hey, we, we negotiate on price, right? So submit your total price in here, what you're willing to pay for the property. And you know, yes, we have this under contract, but that is irrelevant. Right. Okay. Right. And so when we send it over, it's a purchase agreement. And if we decide to switch that over to an assignment, sometimes they'll eventually uh, you know, find out maybe. But we, again, we always move the conversation from assignment fee over to price. Right. Well, I, I as always, very enlightening. Um, outside of what we talked about, is there anything else we might have missed that we probably should bring up yet? You know, my goal for you, if you're listening to this, is this business can change your life, right? And there are small tweaks, just like in any business, that if you take them, will will we'll send you to the next level, right? And so my goal for you is to do that. Get out of your comfort zone, right? I, I know we mentioned the podcast, but my the podcast specifically is I try to do something a little bit differently, right? I'm kind of known as a renegade in this business. And uh, I'd like you to be a renegade too, if you're listening to this. So that is my advice for today. Hopefully you can take some of that and make some more money for yourself if you're listening to this. Well, thanks again, Todd. Um, and uh, always welcome back. Hope we can chat again. And uh, this is very insightful. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jenny. This has been the REI Mastermind Network. You can already tell that we've made some changes and a few more are on the way. If you are interested in what we have planned, head over to patreon.com slash REI Mastermind and support the show today. Financial contributions are always appreciated, along with a like, share, and review. It really helps us grow and reach more people with this valuable information. See you next time, and tell a friend.